kid, you know, when you're in kindergarten or preschool, you're singing what song? You know, Jesus, Jesus loves me, right? But sometimes we just kind of get common about it. But let's never let never get let that become common. Let's never let that be something where we just goes in one ear and out the other. Let's be amazed by the fact that the God of the universe loves you. And maybe you're not feeling that tonight, but I tell you, He loves you. He loves you so much that He came to this earth to pay for your sins, to die on a cross for you. And that's amazing, amazing love that he has for you and for me, for each one of us in this room tonight. So uh, we're going to look at God's Word tonight. We're going to get into the Bible. Uh, now, over this year, over 2023, uh, back in January, way back when, we started at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, we've been journeying through out uh, from Genesis all the way up to now. We went through the Old Testament. Uh, there's all kinds of things that went on in the Old Testament uh, but everything in the Old Testament was leading to this one big thing that was going to happen in the New Testament. And that was the coming of this promised Messiah, this promised King. And that promised Messiah, that promised Savior was Jesus. And if you've been reading along with us, and let me just kind of a little sidebar here. Uh, let me encourage you to get into God's Word. Uh, we've got the Bible reading plans. Maybe you've been doing it. You, hey, keep at it. Or maybe you're just kind of like, hey, I've fallen off. Uh, now's a good time to pick back up as we kind of get into the beginnings of the New Testament and the Gospels and Matthew. Uh, and this week, if you've been reading, we've been looking at uh, probably uh, in Scripture, probably just in general, really, the most well-known sermon in the history of the world. Uh, and the sermon I'm talking about is, does anybody want to take a guess? Any, any guess? Or, somebody's watching is guessing for us. Uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. All right, Jesus gives this uh, amazing sermon in the book of Matthew, and it's kind of like just an overview of just basically everything that God's people should be. And uh, in this, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 is where it begins, and we're going to look at a passage in that tonight. But before we get into Matthew 5, uh, let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've kind of overlooked something? Uh, you've kind of overlooked something that you thought was probably not very valuable, but it ended up being valuable. Anybody think of anything in their mind? Something you thought was trash, but it ended up treasure. You ever heard that old saying that one man's trash is what? Another man's, right? Anybody think of anything? Nothing coming to you? A painting. What? A painting. A painting? Well, uh, maybe. But I've got a story about a guy uh, that I want to tell you that had a piece of treasure that he thought was trash, and it cost him big time. Uh, and uh, if you click the space bar, chat, should go to this picture. Uh, anybody tell me what this is a picture of? All right, the Declaration of Independence, okay? So you say, well, what's the Declaration of Independence got to do with anything? Well, in 2006, uh, this man, his name was Stan Caffey. He uh, was getting ready to get married, and he was cleaning out his house, uh, cleaning out his garage before his wife moved after they got married. And he had this old box in his garage of just old documents and papers and stuff. And in it was this old copy of the Declaration of Independence, and he was going through that, and his wife was basically like, hey, you got to get rid of some of this stuff. So he's like, hey, you know what I'm going to do with stuff I don't need anymore? I'm going to take it where? Trash. Not the trash. <laughs> trash is a pawn shop. Not a pawn shop, but the Goodwill. Goodwill. All right, Goodwill. <laughs> All right, he was going to take it to Goodwill. So he has a, a donation box for Goodwill that he takes down to the Goodwill. He says, hey, had all this stuff. He gets it to Goodwill. Goodwill takes it. like, okay, we'll sell it, whatever. And they put a sticker on it for $2.48. Now... A couple weeks later, another man by the name of Michael Sparks uh, comes into this Goodwill and is kind of looking and rummaging through things. Because if you go on Google, you're just like, I don't really know what I'm looking for. It's just a bunch of random junk. Well, he finds this copy of the Declaration of Independence. And he's like, realizes something. This isn't just a copy that was just made a few years ago. This is a, an original 
copy of the Declaration of Independence from the early 1800s. So he buys this copy of the Declaration of Independence from the Goodwill for $2.48, takes it home, gets it fixed up a little bit, and sells it for guess how much money? Not that high. (laughs) Right at half a million dollars. He made right at half a million dollars selling this. So one man's trash was literally another man's treasure in this circumstance. All right, and you might be thinking, well, why are you talking about trash and treasure, Barry? What's the point of this story? Well, maybe you look at your life. I don't know. Maybe you look at your life and you think you aren't very valuable right now. You think things that, hey, maybe I've done a lot of stuff in my life. You don't know what I'm doing when no one's around. Uh, I just don't feel like I'm worth very much. Well, tonight I want us to see from the Bible, I want to see from God's Word, that no matter what you've done, that you are valuable. You've been made in the image of God, and God has created you for good works. He's created you for something good. You are valuable. And here in Matthew 5, we're going to look at a series of statements that Jesus makes uh, that's known as the Beatitudes. Anybody here ever heard of the Beatitudes? All right, a few people, like two of y'all. All right, the Beatitudes. All right, and these are usually the, the passages, if you're reading in Matthew chapter 5, where it says, Blessed are the blank, it'll lead to this. Blessed are this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's just a couple of them. Uh, And here in Matthew 5, uh, these Beatitudes, it's basically attitudes that we should have if we know Jesus Christ. Let's think of it this way. Attitudes to be. The Beatitudes. Y'all get that? All right? So, and after Jesus goes through these, he speaks of the lives that his followers should live. People that know him. And the verses that we're going to look at tonight show us that our Christian life should not be a private thing. It should never be something we keep to ourselves. We're to go into the world and affect it for the glory of God. And I want you to see this evening, that if you're a follower of Christ, if you say, hey, I'm a Christian, I've trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, and I'm following after him. Well, hear this, that we should be impacting and influencing the world. We should be impacting and influencing the world around us. We're never meant to hide our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not something that we just kind of keep Jesus to ourselves. Like, uh, I heard this little song that like Molly heard somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but it was like, uh, if I had my little Jesus in a box, it's like, we don't put Jesus in a box to hide him. We, we share Jesus. We show Jesus to others. And as you're getting ready to embark upon a new school year, many of y'all are going to be starting back to school tomorrow. I want you to hear me on this. I hope that you don't go into the school year thinking, you know what, I'm just going to get through school and do what I have to do and blend in and not really try to make an impact. I hope that your mindset is saying, you know, when I go to Ballard County Middle School or I go to Ballard County, Ballard Memorial High School tomorrow morning, I want to make an impact for Jesus Christ this year. And I hope that it's not as we look at Scripture, we dive into God's Word, that we can encourage you to do that. Where you see that God has called you to stand out. God has called you to make an impact wherever He has you, to make an influence wherever He has you. So in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. And in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, this is Jesus speaking. He's talking about making that impact. He says this, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So as we go through this tonight, as we go through Matthew 5, these couple verses, I've got two questions I want you to think about. Two questions. 
Now, the first question I want us to look at and consider is this. Is what is salt good for? You thought about that? Preservation. All right. JW is jumping ahead of me already. All right. Salt. What does salt do? You know, salt is a very influential thing, if you didn't know that already. It has many different purposes, and all of them make an impact. So, J.W. already kind of heard it already. He said preservation. All right, so back in Jesus' day, uh, in case you weren't aware, uh, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have this thing called a refrigerator. Y'all knew that, right? Right? There weren't refrigerators in first century Judea. Jesus wasn't like, hey, uh, the Jerusalem refrigerator 3,000 or whatever. No, they didn't have that back then. So what they would do if they wanted to preserve meat, because you know if you slaughter an animal, you cut the meat off of it, you've got to keep it preserved. Or it goes and it rots, bacteria develops on it, it can make you all kinds of sick. So they didn't have ice really, really available, they didn't have freezers and fridges. They would use salt uh, to preserve meat. And sometimes today there are certain meats that are still preserved with salt even today. So it's used to prevent decay on meat. And you may be saying, well, okay, what's salt and meat and all I got to do with following Jesus? Well, think of it kind of like this. Much like this, Christians should be preventing decay in the world. Pushing back against the effects of sin. Because we live in a sin-fallen world, we should be pushing back against that. We should want to stand out and try to live lives that are different. And because the world around us is look, dying to see Christians that actually dare to live out what they profess to believe. All right, so salt preserves. Another thing salt does is it melts. All right? When it snows or it ices, and here in you know West Kentucky, we get like a half an inch of snow and everything shuts down and everybody <laughs> buys every gallon of milk and every loaf of bread in like a three-state area, right? But... Whenever we get snow and ice, what do they put on top of it on the roads? Salt. salt. You see, salt, it melts. It, it dissolves away something, get this, that if it's left untreated, it can become dangerous, right? You know, if they don't scrape and salt the roads and you've got ice on them, that's a danger if you're driving on them. And as Christians, we should be seeking to melt away sin and the dangers that it has towards us, the dangers that it has towards others, because sin ultimately leads to death. Now, we can't do this ourselves, but we should be like salt. We should be calling people and telling people that their sin is going to ultimately lead to a destruction. So another thing that salt does is melts. So it preserves, it melts. And these are is by no means an exhaustive list. This is just a couple things I came up with. Uh, another thing salt does is it stings. Has anybody ever had like an open sore or a cut and you get salt on it? Something salty? You know what I'm talking about? And it burns. You might have heard the old phrase. What is it? Like salt and what? Wound. An open wound, right? You pour salt in an open wound, it's going to sting. It's going to burn. And we should be looking, you know, that sometimes when we call out sin, that it's going to burn. It's going to sting. It stings ourselves. If we look inwardly, our own sin is what salt, you know, it comes in on us. If we are looking to others and we're trying to tell people, you know, your sin's leading to destruction, it might sting a little bit. People might be offended by it. But if we're truly in love with Jesus and we want people to know him, we got to call sin what it is. We can't compromise on the truth that God has told us in his word. And last, lastly, the one thing that salt does uh, that's probably the most well-known or the most widely used thing for salt is what? Seasoning. Seasoning. All right. Salt. All right. Right here. All right. Who's got this in their kitchen at home or on their kitchen table? Your mom or dad. All right. Salt. Usually there's a, a pepper shaker with it. I just got the salt shaker tonight. All right. Now, think about it this way. Has anybody ever eaten unsalted french fries? Yes. You, you know that that like horrid, that horrible taste. Think about it. You you go, uh, I don't know. You go to McDonald's and you get to order fries and they forget to salt them. It's like your day is ruined, right? But it doesn't taste right. 
And the thing I'm getting at with this with salt is as believers, we should be seasoning. We should be influencing. Just think about it. If I take this salt and I sprinkle it on some french fries or I sprinkle it on a baked potato or whatever, it makes it better, doesn't it? It impacts. It influences the taste of it. You know, those same french fries without salt that you got are horrible. You put a little bit of salt on them, all of a sudden they're fantastic, right? You know, and that's what we should be doing as followers of Christ is impacting, is making an influence. And notice something that Jesus says here in the passage about us. So what are you saying? Well, the phrase he says there is this, is you are the salt of the the earth. You are. You see, this isn't a suggestion. It's not like Jesus is saying, hey, could you please be the salt? Or would you consider being the salt? No, he says, if you're in me, you are the salt. Of the earth. If we're his followers, we do the salt of the earth. We're supposed to impact the world around us. So the question is this is how salty are you? And sometimes we think salty means you're sour. No. How salt or how much of an impact are you having on the people around you? How, how much influence do you have for Jesus Christ to those that God has placed around you? Because believe it or not, God has placed you around certain people at this time of your life for a certain and specific purpose. It's no mistake that you are an 8th grader at Ballard County Middle School or you're a, 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 a sophomore at the high school, whatever you may be, and you go to that school and you're in these classes and you hang with these friends and you sit by this person in this class or you play softball with this person or you play football with that person or whatever it may be. That's not a mistake. So the question is, is the places that God has placed you, are you using it for impact and influence for Jesus Christ? Do people see him in your life? Do people see Jesus through you? And you might say, well, I hear you say that, but what does that look like? What does it really look like to look like Jesus? Well, the way we learn it is through his word, first and foremost. But think about this. I got to thinking about what does it practically look like to look like Jesus to those around us? The Bible talks about having the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, they listen to the Bible. There's love. There's joy. There's patience. There's kindness. There's goodness. There's faithfulness. There's gentleness. There's self-control. All these things. So you're a loving person. People see love from you. Is there joy in your life? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you exemplifying Jesus through your actions? Because you can speak Jesus all day with your words, but if your actions don't back it up, you're just wasting your time. You see, we got, we got to be about impacting and influencing and showing Jesus to those around us. You know, some people may be the only Bible. That they, they may, you may be the only Bible some people read, and you may be the only Jesus some people see. They may not ever come into a room like this or or a sanctuary or a sanctuary in another church. And so many people have a bad taste in their mouth. Maybe that the old uh, horrible salt taste in their mouth of Christians that don't actually live like Jesus. And my hope and my prayer for you, hear me tonight, is that we would be impacting the world for Jesus Christ. And we would be salty as he's called us to be salt. So we're the salt of the earth, but it doesn't stop there. Jesus says it this way in 14 and 15 of Matthew 5. He says, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. So we answer that first question, what is salt good for? So the next logical question is this, is what is light good for? To lead the way. I have to lead the way. Y'all jumping ahead of me already, man. <laughs> all right, so light... Light, much like salt, influences and it impacts whatever it touches. What are some specific things light does? Let's think about this. Just a couple. It warns. Think about this. You ever, uh, if you go to a train track, 
and you're like, a train is coming, what comes up? They cross the things over and there's what flashing? <laughs> flashing lights, right? All right. And then think about it. You're going through a stoplight. Light, right, warns. You know, it's green means go, red means stop, yellow means what? Go really fast, right? No. <laughs> All right, but light, it warns. Or think about lighthouses, like a lighthouse. It's like out on the, the coast. It's to warn boats that are coming in that you don't want to crash here. It's to warn. It's to protect. And we should be that light, that warning, warning people of what their sin ultimately leads to. See, sometimes we kind of keep ourselves tight-lipped. Like, I don't want to talk about sin. And No, the loving thing to do is, and we can't be hateful about this, but it's to be loving and to tell people, man, if you don't know Jesus Christ, there is eternal punishment. There is sin that separates you from God, and you can't do nothing to fix that on your own, man. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. Your mama can't fix it. Your daddy can't fix it. Your sweet little old granny can't fix it. The only thing that can fix your sin problem is Jesus Christ. By trusting in him and what he's done for you. So light warns. And then Jack kind of said, I mean, no, light guides. I mean, think about it. Light, like a flashlight. If you're in the pitch black dark and you have a flashlight, it directs you to where you should go, right? You flash that light out and you kind of can see what's in front of you and which way you should go. A flashlight does that. That's why in Scripture it kind of says it, says it this way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. You see, light should guide us. The word guides us. It's meant to be seen also. That's what light is. It's not meant to be hidden. You know, like the old song, This Little Light of Mine, what? I'm going to let it shine. Unless it's not such a little, like a silly little song you might have heard. It's Thank you. There's so much truth to this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. Think about it. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. And then the other verse says, Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. So what are you doing with your light? You know, we can sing that song from back when you were in preschool. This little light of mine, you know, hide it under a bushel. No. Hey, are you actually hiding it under something? Are you letting Satan blow it out by the worries and the stresses of this world? And you're more consumed with what others think of you than actually living in obedience to what God's called you to? Does the light of Jesus shine through you? So the question is, if you're in Christ, you are a light. The question is, how brightly are you burning? How brightly are you burning for Jesus today? You see, it's kind of like this. And I actually left my phone at the back. Can you give me my phone right quick, Chad? Just a little, little, little pause on what I'm talking about. Thank you. So, if y'all would, uh, Ricky, you mind grabbing the lights? I know it's not pitch black out right now. But I wanted to do this. All right. All right. So this light. All right. It lights up the room. Now I know we got TVs and stuff. We just just hang with me. So the question I want to ask you is how light, how bright is your light shining for Jesus right now? You see, it might be down here, kind of dim and kind of low. Maybe it's a little brighter kind of like thinking, yeah, I'm kind of in for Jesus. I, I, I occasionally get into the Word. I'll come to church, but, you know, I just kind of want to be a lower dim. Or do you want to be someone that shines really, really bright? Because the brighter you shine, the more of an impact you're going to have. And here's another awesome thing about this. You're not doing this alone. 
See, all of us in this room, if you know Jesus Christ, and there's many of you in this room that do, if you have more lights together, what does that do? It brightens up the place even more. But maybe many of you, your light has just been kind of dim. Or maybe for many of you, your light's even been off. Maybe your light's not shining at all. You say, hey, I'm hiding it. I don't want to stand out for Jesus. I'm just going to stay kind of, you know, under the radar. But, you know, the reality, the truth, this is something God's called us to. This isn't something that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. And salt and light make a difference wherever they go. So are you making an impact? Is your prayer leading into school year 2023-2024? Is it, hey, I want to make an impact for Jesus? Or is it just, I want to make good grades. Nothing wrong with that. You should make good grades. Or I want to be a good athlete. Nothing wrong with that either. Or I want to have uh, a bunch of friends. All things that aren't particularly wrong, but you're first and foremost. I hope that the top of your prayer list as you go into a new school year is I want to make an impact for Jesus. He's called me to be salt. He's called me to be light. And I know what Jesus has done for me. I know how he's changed me. And I can't help but talk about what Jesus has done for me. And if we really catch hold of that in our heart, of what Jesus has done for us and how he's changed us, we can't help but let that salt go out. We can't help but let that light shine through us. So do people see your light? Are you burning brightly at all? Because, man, that's what the schools, that's what this world needs more than anything. It's for believers that are actually going to live out what they say they believe. There's enough people sitting in churches right now, all in this county, in this state, in the country. A bunch of teenagers probably sitting in their Wednesday night youth groups hearing messages from their youth pastors, and they just kind of goes in one ear out the other. And the youth pastor's telling them, hey, go be, make a difference for Jesus. Hey, go live out your faith with your friends. But it goes in one ear out the other. I hope that's not happening to us tonight. I can't convince you of this. This has got to be something between you and God. But I'm hoping and my prayer for you this year is that our student ministry, you as individuals, is a group that we go into our schools and we go to our teams and we go in our community and people see Jesus through us. That we're salt. That we're making an impact. That we're the light and we're making an impact. So I'm going to have, we're going to have a song to finish out tonight. The band's going to come and lead us here in just a minute. And I know we don't have, per se, an altar here. But if you want to pray at your seat or you want to come grab me or somebody else during that time of invitation or as we sing, don't hesitate. And maybe for you, the light has never even come on yet. Maybe you've heard about this Jesus. You've heard of what he's done for you, but you've never put your faith and trust in him. You've never turned from your sin. That's what the gospel calls you to. You see, the, 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 the reality is this, is that we've all sinned. The Bible puts it this way, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In the book of Romans, it says that. And that the wages of those sins, the wages of the times where we have missed the mark, the times where we have done what God has not wanted us to do, the wages of that is death. We deserve punishment for our sin. And God would have been perfectly justified in just letting us stay in our sin. He didn't have to send Jesus <coughs> But from eternity past, he had a plan to send Jesus Christ on the first mission trip, on a mission trip to rescue that which was lost because we couldn't do it ourselves. And he came and he lived a life without sin. And as Jesus went to the cross, you probably see crosses all over churches. You might say, hey, I don't know what the whole cross thing is about. I just know Jesus died on the cross. No, there was something great that happened there. You see, he took that sin that you and I have committed upon himself. He poured out his blood 
He shed his blood for your sins and for mine. To atone for that, to cover that. But he didn't stay on a cross. He didn't stay dead. On Sunday morning after Friday afternoon, he rose up from the grave. He was victorious over the grave. He was victorious over sin, death, hell, and everything. That's why we sing. That's why we worship. That's why we're doing what we're doing tonight. The Bible even goes so far as to say, if Jesus isn't rose from the dead, everything that you and I are doing right now in this moment is a waste of time. And if you've not put your faith in Christ, I pray you would tonight. You can come grab me or any of these adults. I'm sure we'd love to talk to you more about what it means to become a believer in Jesus. But let's worship Jesus. Let's be salt. Let's be light. Let's stand. Let's sing.